go to um, Romans chapter 2 and then, uh, amen, we'll just see where the Holy Spirit leads us. I want to talk to you some more tonight about a merciful heart. And we've said that, a, that faith will flourish in a merciful heart. And when we talk about being a man or a woman after God's own heart, we know that, that God's heart is a merciful heart. A merciful heart. So Jesus to us in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, he says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now you're probably picking up on it, but I'm trying to emphasize all the Y-O-U's in this. It's, it's kind of like in earlier in this sermon when he says, when you go into your closet and close your door and pray to your father, you know, he's, he's really emphasizing that this is something personal. He's saying, with what judgment you judge, not with what judgment somebody else judges. This is, this is personal. You're determining this for yourself. With what judgment you judge, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is on in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. One of the things that we haven't mentioned yet, but the reality of it is you, you can't judge another person without making yourself a hypocrite. And that's one of the things that we'll look at here in a moment again in Romans 2 where he says, you know, you're, you're judging other people and you've, you know, you're doing the same kind of things. Maybe not exactly what they're doing, um, but there's you know, certain categories of sin that would have many manifestations of sin. Um, and so to be a hypocrite is to um, pretend you're something that you're not, trying to make an, an appearance. Uh, it, the, the word has its root in theatrics and theater, you know, putting on, trying to make people think something that you're not. And so a lot of times you know, people fall into a pattern of judging other folks because they're trying to appear to be spiritual to other people. And... And it's not pleasing to God. So to judge means to form and express a negative opinion about another person. I think a lot of folks think judging has, is way more than that, way more serious than that. But no, that's, that's exactly what this, this word means. And clearly what we see from Jesus is that it's still judging even if the problem is legitimate. In other words, the, the, this isn't like, you know, he's, he didn't say you're falsely accusing your brother of having a speck in his eye. He's, he, he, the speck's there. There's the, the issue, the problem is there. Uh, so the idea that somehow we're not judging if it's true uh, is not an excuse. Now, let's go to um, Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 2. And verse number one, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, 
whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. So do you see the pattern here? And this is not the only place that we, we see this. I mean, we, we could look at it in many different places in the scripture. The, the, you know, if you refuse to forgive other people, don't expect to be forgiven. If you condemn other people, then expect to be condemned. If you judge other people, the same standard that you use to measure them is the one that you'll be measured by. So he says, you're inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So again, faithful flourish in a merciful heart. God is more concerned, Father is more concerned about your heart than, than any other aspect of your life and your existence. And we see, he says, it's in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart. So any issue that a man has outwardly, the Bible says, is springing from something in him inwardly. From the heart spring forth the issues of life. So someone who judges another person, that's revealing something in their own heart that is not right and, and needs to be dealt with. So notice he says, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He's, he's saying here that, and this, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because we really developed this and, and talked about it last week, but you know, he's saying, look, you're, you're judging and you think you're getting away with it, but it's, you're actually piling it up for yourself. You're, you're accumulating it. And, and the one thing we know about God, again, he has a merciful heart and, and he's very patient with us. He's very patient with humanity in general, and he's very patient with us, you know, individually. Um, but we also see in Scripture that there are lines that people cross, and when Father has, you know, gone as far as he can go, <laughs> you know, then there is uh, judgment, okay? I don't want to, I don't, I want to really give this proper time and, and this portion of this study that I'm still working on. But let me just introduce th the thought here. Um, judgment day or the day of judgment, we, we have this tendency to think that that's some way off futuristic day and it's a one-time thing. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Um, that there are all kinds of uh, you know, you reap what you sow. If you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow mercy, you're going to reap mercy. And not everything that we sow now comes up two hours from now or two days from now. So a lot of what we see in the Bible about, you know, the, the day of judgment is, is, is not referring to when you stand before the white throne of, of God, the, the mercy seat of God, you know, to be judged for your entire life. There are, there are many days in between now and then where uh, these things, uh, 
So I think that's another part of this is, is like we think, well, you know, I'm going to just cross that bridge when we get there. No, 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 no. We don't want to have that attitude. All right. So he says, again, verse 5, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. We looked at all these verses last week out of the Passion Translation. But the, the tone of this is people who are taking the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the forbearance of God for granted where it applies to their weaknesses and inconsistencies, but are coming down hard and heavy on other people who have uh, maybe not the identical uh, issues in their life, but at least similar ones. Now, we know from Scripture that we have an enemy. Um, He's our adversary. He's the source of our adversity. We know that he's a schemer. We know that He plots and plans and strategizes against us. I often say it this way, that the devil does not play checkers. He plays chess. And if you understand the difference between those two games, chess is, is, both games involve strategy, but the strategies are a lot more complex in the game of chess and are a lot lengthier, you know, in the sense that um, a chess player can open a, a game of chess with you know, what looks like to be so simple moving a pawn, um, but that pawn is a part of a 14-move strategy uh, that he's putting in place, and he's going to, you know, bide his time until he can uh, put his opponent uh, in check or checkmate. And so Satan uh, operates that way against us. And we've already covered in the course of our study that he is the accuser of the brethren and he is in a constant state of bringing accusations uh, you know, uh, against you. And the simple reason for that is as your adversary, he is accusing you constantly because he wants you to be judged. Now we know that, that Satan uh, was formerly Lucifer and we know that he rebelled and we know that he was judged. And so he is constantly wanting to drag you and anybody else that he can drag down with him. And he is, you know, constantly accusing God of, of not being just and fair uh, when our, you know, punishment or, or you could say reaping what we've sown isn't immediate and sure and swift. Now, to simplify, Satan wants you judged. He wants you judged. Your heavenly Father, on the other hand, he wants to show you mercy. He doesn't want you to be judged. And if you consider that he went as far as to judge and punish Jesus in your place. Think about that for a moment. I mean, you know, just to simply say that Father God does not want you to be judged for the mistakes and sins and whatever that you commit, that doesn't go far enough. I mean, he was very proactive 
in, in you and me not being judged when he allowed Jesus, who was more undeserving of judgment and punishment than all of us collectively combined together were deserving of judgment and punishment. Therefore, Jesus allowed himself to be judged. He took your sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became your sin, became my sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Father God literally put not just his money, he put the most precious substance that will ever be known to man where his mouth is concerning you and me not wanting to be judged. So we read things like every morning his mercy is new. We read things like his mercy endures forever. And we know that the great God is a merciful God. If you've watched Brother Jesse Duplantis, uh, I've mentioned that a time or two, his uh, testimony of heaven when uh, he was allowed to go to heaven and spent, I think it was five hours, six hours uh, in heaven. It's, it's, it's fascinating. But one of the things that was said to him by people in heaven, angels in heaven, other Bible characters that you are, would be familiar with that he had conversations with in heaven, is, is almost every one of them, when there's some question or something that, that he would ask, and they would look at him and they'd just go, the great God is a merciful God. Right? The great God is a merciful God. Amen. And he is a merciful God. Showing you mercy is, is not hard for him, especially given what Jesus has done for us. Matter of fact, let's, let's take a minute to look at this in Romans, the third chapter. You're right there in chapter 2, so just turn over a page or two. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, <laughs> for years I, I thought, the book of Romans ended right there, and maybe the whole Bible ended right there, you know. But this thought doesn't even end right there. There's a comma at the end of that verse. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus has redeemed us. He paid the penalty for us. That word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. You see, Father's desire from day one was to treat you and me like we've never sinned. And Jesus afford, affords him that luxury now, what Jesus has done uh, for us and for Father God. Keep reading, verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. That word propitiation means to appease the wrath of, to satisfy the wrath of. So the reality is that we were all deserving of punishment, but Jesus absorbed that punishment, that wrath, that judgment, if you will, for us through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So to forbear again means to show mercy, um, to, 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 to withhold judgment, you know, to, when we deserve to be judged and, and, and God was, was forbearing. That's what it means to you know, when, when, when someone, you know, should be punished, but they're not, that's forbearance. And by the way, um, we see all throughout the New Testament where we are instructed to have forbearance with one another, you know, because God has been so forbearing with us that we should be forbearing with others because we have received um, uh, forbearance. So, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
So the very important understanding here is this. God himself could not be righteous. He could not be the righteous judge of all the earth if he just let our sin slide indefinitely. I've asked you this question a time or two. Would you consider a judge, you know, Jefferson County Circuit judge, would you consider him to be a fair judge if his son uh, committed, you know, murder, rape, whatever, and, uh, and he just let him go free without any... See, again, you, that, that's his son, and in, and in the, our judicial system, he would have to recuse himself from that trial. So it's, it's, it's not... The, the whole... The point is not necessarily you know, accurate in the sense of that was, that's how it would play out. But I'm just trying to, to show you that as much as that judge loves his son and wouldn't want to see his son spend the rest of his life in jail or even worse, have the death penalty... Um, none of, no one would consider him to be fair if he just simply let him off because he, that, that was his son. And so in order for God to be both a just and righteous God, demonstrating his righteousness, his rightness, Jesus took the place for you and me so that he could, so God could be, watch this now, both just, fair, honest integrity and the justifier the one who makes you right just as if you'd never sinned do you see this man this is some of the most important stuff you'll ever hear from the word of god so let's go back to the simplicity of it again the devil wants you judged your creator father does not want you judged he is merciful he is forbearing He sent Jesus to the cross to take the blame and the punishment for you and to be judged for you in your stead so that you would not have to pay the penalty, so that you would not have to experience judgment. So how how is the devil then going to find some work around? How how is he going to work around this? How is he going to, like, let me give you an example. The word adversary, now listen, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? There, there are crooks in every profession, okay? Um, and the, there, there are crooks behind pulpits. There are, there are crooks teaching school. There are crooks in the medical profession. And, and there are crooks in the legal profession. Uh, but the overwhelming majority of, of, of those people in those professions have heart for folks and honest and all that other stuff, okay? So I don't want you to think that I'm running down lawyers and attorneys and that sort of thing okay um but the word adversary literally means an opponent in a lawsuit and an attorney is always looking for a loophole he's always trying to figure out how to put himself or a client in the best possible position i have an i have an excellent uh, uh, CPA, uh, Certified Public Accountant. He specializes in ministerial taxes. And he's a man of tremendous integrity. Okay. But he's going to find, he's, he's, the, he's the kind of uh, CPA that actually reads all the legislation. You know, when the Affordable Care Act came out, um, we refer to that sometimes as Obamacare. 
I forget how many thousand pages that was. He read every one of them. Right? Because he doesn't just do individual taxes. He does corporate taxes. There's a lot of stuff in there that affect a lot of people. Right? And, and so, you know, his thing is, um, I want you to pay every penny of tax you owe, but not a penny more. So he's going to look for every possible advantage, every possible loophole, right? Um, still being legal, amen, but not paying anything that we don't have to pay. And, and because of his expertise in these things, he, he the first time I, I went uh, to see him was back in the cabinet shop days. And um, I was uh, anticipating writing a $12,000 quarterly tax uh, check. And a guy that works worked for me, um, he said, hey, you know, you ought to... Um, you ought to go see him, you know. <laughs> He's really helped my family, you know, stuff. And I thought, well, you know, what I got to lose, you know. And, um, man, there were so many things. Uh, depreciation of equipment. Just, I mean, all, every single bit of it, 100% legal, right? Um, and instead of paying money, I actually got money back. 100% legal, Okay. He went back and amended my tax returns from the previous year. I'm, I love this brother. He's a godly man. He feels he is just as called to do what he does for ministers and for the kingdom as, as I am, what I do and what, what you call to do yourself. Okay. But the point I'm trying to make is he, he studies all of that and he looks for ways and things that he can take advantage of. Well, this is how the devil also works. Remember, he's an, he's an adversary. He's like an attorney. He's looking for loopholes. He's looking for advantages. He's looking for ways that he can use, instead of the law to your advantage, he's looking for a way that he can use the established system uh, against you. All right? So the devil's looking for a loophole. He's trying to find an angle or a weakness to exploit and use against you. And guess what that loophole is? That loophole is God allows you to determine the standard of judgment or the standard of mercy um, by the judgment or mercy you show to others. Are you seeing this? I don't, I don't want to confuse you. I'm not trying to make this more complex than it really is. You know... So many times I, I wanted to type this, and I'm not, I'm not typing, I can't believe I'm even saying it, but it's almost like I want to say, put yourself in the devil's shoes. Don't put yourself in the devil's shoes, okay? So let's maybe try to say it this way. Look at it from his perspective, okay? Look at it from his perspective. In order to get you judged, because remember, he's wanting you judged, but your creator father's not wanting you judged. So how can he get you judged when the God who created you so much doesn't want you judged that he's judging his own son instead of you, right? So if you look at it from the devil's perspective, in order to get you judged, he must lure you into judging others. In other words, the, the statute that he's trying to exploit, the, the, the tax code that he's trying to use to his advantage and to your disadvantage is that God says... Whatever judgment you show to other people is the judgment you will be shown. Whatever mercy you show to other people is the mercy you'll be shown. And so the devil's like, aha, maybe I can get them to show little to no mercy to other people 
and, and, and be constantly coming down on and judging other people. And this is how he's trying to manipulate the system into your judgment or to my judgment. Is this making sense to you? I told you, I think, the first or second sermon in this series that there is tremendous warfare associated with this subject. But we don't often think of it that way. We think of, you know, temptation when it comes to, like, lust of our flesh or temptation when it comes to self-preservation and not telling the whole truth. There's all kinds of areas where, where we really, you know, sense even uh, the, the temptation and man it's like you know being pulled and it's you know got to take a stand here and, and all these other things but this is one of those areas where we don't often think of the devil being involved we see th- this is the deception of this we we let's go back to it we think we're being super spiritual by knowing so much about god and the bible that we can point out faults in other people There are some folks who are convinced that their ability to judge other people is a spiritual gift, right? In other words, they think that that's what they're called to do, is point out the faults and draw attention to uh, the inconsistencies and and mistakes and, and errors of other people. They have no idea. This is what I mean by the devil playing chess, him being a schemer. And so notice now, here you've got a God who who would rather judge himself than judge you. He would rather die for you than you die for the sin that you've committed. He would rather punish his only precious son who, who never did a single thing wrong. He would rather punish him for all of us than all of us be punished for our... That, that's how much he doesn't want to judge you. But he can't be a just God. See, this is... In other words, let's, let's go back to the earthly ministry of Jesus, right? If, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're going to, to trip him up, you're going to have to try to trip him up in being nice to people and showing love and mercy to people, right? They find a woman. I imagine they probably knew, rumor whispering around the temple, you know, about this woman who, you know, on her lunch hour whatever, we don't have these details, but I'm just trying to make it relatable, you know, to you. They knew every day on her lunch hour, every Thursday on her lunch hour, you know, she was having a a sexual tryst and an affair uh, with a married man, um, and they knew where it was happening. They probably followed her and watched her and confirmed it, and so they had the trap set. You know, they caught her in the act of adultery. They bring her in to Jesus because they want Jesus to pronounce judgment on her. Notice now, the devil's behind every bit of this, right? Notice, they've come to this conclusion. If we're going to trap him, we're going to have to trap him in his mercy, right? We're going to have to try to make it impossible for him to show mercy to this woman because we know that that's what he wants to do. We know that that's what he's going to do. And so they devised a trap for Jesus, right, to where it would make him look bad and have something to accuse him about because they were banking on him being merciful. Are you seeing this? So the devil's trying to do the same thing with God the Father where, where we're concerned. See? See, he knows that, 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 the, that God has a spot in... You, you understand what it is to have a soft spot in your heart for somebody? Come on now. 
know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to get, I guess, you know, getting older, whatever, man. I sit there and look at a picture of my two grandkids, and Pam look over at me, and she goes, are you getting water eyes over there? You know? I mean, it's like this spot in my heart for them, and I'm like, God, you know, if I love them this much, how much do you love me? I'm not saying, you know, and, and so the devil is trying to take advantage of that. He's trying to put God, once again, in this awkward position to where, you know, he, he's judging himself instead of judging you, but now... We're going to go off, you know, like a bunch of folks have lost their mind, judging everybody, not showing mercy to anybody, not, not having any patience or forbearance with anybody. And see, now, now the devil's like, all right, God, whatever judgment they use, you're judging them. They're, see, he's, he's trying to manipulate that system. So when I say there's spiritual warfare around this, the devil is the one who's wanting you judged. And so he knows that the only chance he has of that happening is if he can get you to show little to no mercy to anybody else and, and, but instead show judgment uh, to, to people, uh, which, again, is creating a situation that Romans 2 begins with inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Remember what I told you that meant last week? Inexcusable means you've placed yourself in a position that cannot be defended or cannot be shown mercy. The devil is trying to get you and me, he's trying to manipulate us into a position, right, that's inexcusable. And for God, it's inexcusable for him to show you all kinds of mercy and to show you all kinds of forgiveness and to show you all kinds of forbearance and kindness and you not be willing to show it to other people. It's inexcusable. I mean, you, you, you putting God in a position where he can't defend you against your adversary. Are you seeing this? so much stuff here let's get this part all right i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago let me let me develop it just a little bit and then we'll call it a night is everybody okay all right um are you qualified to judge something you don't understand and of course, the answer is no. See, th- this is the problem here with judging. And I tell you how the Lord was was helping me see this. Um, when it comes to uh, Olympic diving, I watched a little bit of that during the Summer Olympics. You know, you watch them, you're like, "Man, those those folks are amazing." And then sometimes the the score isn't what I think it ought to be. Same with gymnastics. If you watch the X Games for the younger generation, you know, and the, and the, and the uh, skateboarding half pipe and, and, and these kinds of things, um, you, you think, man, that guy did really good. And then they get a, a, a low score. And then you think, well, that guy didn't really do that good. And they get a high score. And you're like, well, you know, how, how do we decide th- these scores? See, the reality of it is I don't understand it enough to judge it. Let me give you some examples. Do you know what a pike position is? How about the tariff of a dive? Now, some of these younger guys may know this one. If a skater rides goofy foot or does a trick fakie, 
Goofy foot is when you ride left, left footed. Fakey is when you do a trick backwards. I only know that because I looked it up. Okay, all right, so. Do you know what qualifies a dog as a yearling in a dog show? See, that's another one, man. Anybody ever watch that uh, big dog show? When is it, Thanksgiving, that they do the dog show? Man, you just watch them dogs, you know, coming out across there. And see, I'm judging them on the one that I think's the cutest. Oh, man, that one right there, that one's got to win. You don't even place in anything, you know what I'm saying? It's because there's all kinds of things about it that I don't know. I, see, I'm not judging according to the truth. I don't understand what makes a champion dog a champion and what makes a not-so-champion dog a not-so-champion one. How about this one? What allows a dog to be considered an undergraduate and compete as an undergraduate in a dog show? <laughs> but there's all, I mean, it's, it's, I started to, that's like, I'm not even going to take the time to try to explain all this because it's not important. I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is there are all kinds of things about it that we don't understand. And because I don't understand uh, a tariff of a dive or goofy foot or uh, a yearling or all these, uh, then I'm in no position to judge any of these things. So what about the behaviors of other people? I just don't understand why she does that. It just makes me sick when he acts that way. Well, I just that, that. See, again, when we say that we don't understand and then talk about something that someone has done, you, you just condemned yourself because you've admitted that you are not qualified to judge. And how about this one? Often associated with these kinds of judgments are something that goes like this. Well, if I was him, I would never. If I was in her shoes, then I would. See, that's the problem. You have no idea what it's like to be in her shoes. See, when God judges these things, He knows it all. He judges according to the truth. He has, as the Passion Translation says, He has all the facts. You have nothing but someone's behavior that annoys you. When we confess we don't understand and then judge someone, follow that up with a judgment, think about what that says about our qualification to judge. Now, there are all kinds of things that people do that I don't understand. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, can I just be real with you for a minute? There are all kinds of things that people do that I don't understand that the Bible clearly says they shouldn't do. That the Bible plainly says it's sin. But that's not the same thing as understanding why a particular person may do those things. See, we get so focused on the what, God is focused on the why. Because he knows that if the why is never addressed, the what will never change. See. Now, the thing about the what is the what is usually pretty obvious. 
The why is a whole nother story. It's a whole different matter. It's something that started three generations before they ever were born on this planet. But now we're just seeing a behavior that the Bible clearly says is wrong and we think we're justified to judge their what. See, what is about the outward appearance? Does God judge according to the outward appearance? No, he judges according to the heart. Why correlates with the heart in the same way what correlates with what a person does or what a person says or or, or how a person behaves? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It talks about the sin that easily besets us. Okay? Now, I know some of you may want to argue with me about this, but consider what that says about the sin that easily besets you if you think what I'm saying doesn't apply to you. Okay? Because the reality of it is we all have at least one area in our lives that is easier for the devil to exploit than any other area in our life. One area of weakness, one area of sin, and what it may be for you may not be what it is for somebody else. But the devil works long and hard. Again, he plays chess, not checkers, to try to develop these areas in our lives where it's very, very hard for us to resist whatever it is. Because if we submit to God and resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. And so the devil starts before you even know you're in the world to try to break down your resistance. Resistance in general, yes. But ultimately, as we, as we grow and as we develop, he listens to what we say. He watches. He, 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 he pays attention to, to things that interest us, things that repulse us, things that, that we're drawn to, things that, that we're pulled away from. Just simple things, maybe even innocent things. But he's constantly, he's been deceiving and, and, and observing and, and developing strategies against humanity for millennia. And he's gotten very good at it, okay? Because ultimately he's trying to, to focus his resources not on a thousand things. He would love to do that if he could, but on one thing, which becomes the sin that easily besets. This is why he again says, you're inexcusable, when you judge somebody else for, for some weakness, some inconsistency, some error, some sin in their life, acting like you don't have one yourself. So what's the point? The point is, be careful calling the sin that easily ensnares you a weakness and someone else's an abomination. See, that we, we tend to minimize we tend to minimize or even ignore our weakness altogether while calling somebody else's, judging somebody else's, thank you, Holy Spirit, as an abomination. Just because someone has an appetite for something that turns your stomach doesn't mean you should judge them. Perhaps instead, we should be thankful that we don't have an appetite for that thing or struggle in that area. Amen. Amen. All right, stand with me. I could go on, but I don't know if I need to. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
to watch most people who call themselves Christians in action, you would think the end game, you would think the end game is not to see how many people we can get saved, but to see how many people we can get judged. Oh, I can't wait to get into all this. I think you're going to love it. You, you can't wait. I know you're as excited as I am to hear all this, right? Amen. Remember the guy that was, bo- the guy that was blind from birth? The disciples were wanting to judge him. They wanted to judge his mama, judge his daddy. Who sinned Jesus that this man was born blind? Jesus wasn't trying to judge that man. He was trying to heal that man. Do you see the perspective? Do you see the they're all like trying to figure out who did what wrong and how it wound up like this. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? I'm fixing to manifest the glory of my Father in this man's body. I'm fixing to destroy the work of the devil in this man's body. You're sitting around trying to... But see, when we don't know how to help them, we tend to judge them. Well, we ain't got all it takes to change them. We try to elevate our spirituality by judging them. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I'm going to say it. I've, been, I've had it in my notes for weeks. I'm going to say it, okay? I know what it's like to be attracted to a woman. I understand that. I do not understand what it's like as a man to be attracted sexually to another man. I do not understand that. Does the Bible say that's wrong? It absolutely says it's wrong. But again, because I don't understand it, I'm not to judge people who struggle in any area of sin. I'm to try to love them. I'm, tr- I'm to try to help them. I'm to try. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? That just makes me sick. How about, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not caught in that trap because I know what it is to be caught in a trap. You see the difference there? How can I help? Because I'm going to tell you something. The same blood that was shed for you and your sin and me and my sin was, was shed for everybody else and everybody else's sin. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us. Father, I guess more than anything tonight, thank you for exposing what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get us judged. And that, that joker fool is trying to get us judged by tricking us into judging other people so we put ourselves in an inexcusable place. Oh, thank you, Father, that your wisdom triumphs over his deception. Thank you, Father, that your mercy rejoices against judgment. And thank you, Father that we are the light of this world, Father, that we are here to, to love and to help and to serve and to bless and to, and to shine the light, Lord, of your love and, and to expose darkness. Father, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Father, sin, sin, wrong is wrong. But Father, you, you love people and you came to save us all, Jesus. You came to, to help us all come out of the, the hole that we had dug for ourselves. 
So, Father, help us realize that it's the devil who's wanting everybody judged. It's you that's wanting everybody helped and redeemed and saved. And, Lord, we need to check ourselves as to what side we've been playing for, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that our anger, our wrath, our judgment, it's powerless to produce the righteousness of God in another person. Oh, but Father, your goodness and your forbearance and your mercy and your love and your truth and your wisdom, that's what will draw us to repentance. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you for helping us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You be blessed. Good things coming. Hope it didn't make you uncomfortable with any of that.